Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. The New Statesman. I'm Ido Volk, Europe correspondent in Berlin. It's Monday, the 27th of March. You're listening to World Review from the New Statesman, a twice-weekly international news podcast. Every Monday, we interview a guest for their unique perspective and expertise. Later in the week, we come together to unpack some of the most significant stories in world affairs. Today, I'm speaking to our very own Alona Ferber, editor of Spotlight at the New Statesman about the wave of protests in Israel and where Benjamin Netanyahu's leadership goes from here. All right, Alona, thanks so much for coming on at short notice. We were originally going to have an interview that you were going to do with a journalist at the Israeli newspaper Haaretz, but as I'm sure our listeners have heard and as we'll get into, things are really kicking off in Israel. There's been a lot happening over the weekend and the journalist couldn't make it, but obviously you know Israel very well, so we're very happy to have you on. I suppose just to start, can you give us, bring us up to speed on what's been happening? We're recording this on Monday morning. Over the weekend, there has been these huge protests everywhere in Israel. Can you just tell us what's been happening? Yeah. First of all, for listeners who are less familiar, a bit of overall context, Israel has been going through really unprecedented upheaval, maybe the biggest crisis in its 75-year history over the past two months. There have been protests weekly against a set of reforms that Netanyahu, Benjamin Netanyahu's government is trying to push through that would... um, according to the proponents of the reforms, would be would fight judicial, over, over too much judicial control and be tyranny, I guess is another way they might put it, and basically uphold Israeli democracy. So those, those reforms give government more control over judicial appointments. They, they would give the government a veto over high court rulings, a law part of these reforms that passed last week makes it impossible for the high court to force a prime minister Um, to take a leave of absence because of a conflict of interest that actually passed last week. So there's lots of different reforms in this package and the government's been pushing them through, trying to get them through by the 2nd of April when the Knesset parliament breaks for Passover. And there are lots and lots of opponents to these reforms who say this is not democratic. It removes checks and balances from Israel's executive and legislature. And actually, um, this could bring Israel further down a road towards autocracy. And th- these protests really went up a notch over the weekend. When Netanyahu was Netanyahu had gone to London for a visit, he met with Rishi Sunak. He was greeted by lots of protesters, Israelis shouting shame at him outside his hotel. And as he went into Downing Street, that the first member of his government, the most, first senior member to come out publicly and say these reforms have to stop, his defence minister. That happened on Saturday. So Yoav Gallant, who is a Likud member, a member of Netanyahu's party, said he didn't come out and say, you've got to stop these reforms because of democracy. He said, you've got to stop them because of the 
danger to Israel's security. He's been advised by the head of the army, by the Shin Bet, everybody, that the reforms are causing a real split in Israeli society and that they're really dangerous for the country. Netanyahu then summarily fired Yoav Gallant, put out a one-line statement, fired him, and what ensued was spontaneous protests in the streets. He was, I think the announcement came out maybe at 9.30 at night or something, and people were out. There were maybe 100, 200 protests in the streets across Israel. There were hundreds of protesters outside Netanyahu's official residence. They were out till midnight, 2 a.m. You know, the footage from these protests is really remarkable. And this morning, early this morning, the Histadrut, which is a major, the biggest trade union in Israel, came out with an announcement saying, we're going to have a national strike. Businesses who would come to this announcement also have signed up to this national strike. The head of the airport trade union has halted flights in and out of Ben-Gurion, and he's a member of Netanyahu's party, the Likud party. Because of the judicial reform, the doctor's union has said they're halting health services. It's just astonishing. It's absolutely remarkable to see the entire country almost stopping and saying, we're not having, you know, no, you cannot fire your defense minister because he disagrees with you and you cannot keep putting the country in danger. And as we speak, the, the situation's changing all the time. There were reports that Netanyahu was going to make a statement to halt the judicial reform. And then members of his cabinet who who support the reform, his justice minister, Yariv Levin, who's a big major proponent, and Itamar Bengvir, who is the public security minister, had threatened to resign if he drops the reform. So then he's delayed his public statement. But apparently, according to the sources that are leaking stuff to the press from his office, he has decided to halt the reform and he will make this statement later today. So it's really, really remarkable. He It looks like he has completely lost control. And it also looks like the entire nation, or not those who support the reform, but a lot of people who are against it have basically just said, no, we will not have this. You, you cannot just, we will not allow you to, to just do what you want. We will protest this. So it's really, it's a really remarkable moment. Yeah. And so I suppose one of the, one of the interesting aspects, as you said, over the past few days seems to be this kind of increasing rebellion within the Likud against the reform. The defense minister resigned. He is a member of the Likud and then those Likud aligned trade unions. First of all, why did it take so long for people within the Likud to start publicly voicing their disagreements? And second, does it show Netanyahu losing control over his party as well as his coalition? So the reason it took so long, I mean, you have Gallant, it's not that he's said, I'm against this because I think it's bad for democracy. He's come out against it because the situ the opposition to the protests has grown to such an extent. He's saying, he, including within the army, so you've had reservists refusing to train, pilots refusing to train. So the advice that he's gotten from the security establishment is this is really dangerous. The country is tearing itself apart. And at the beginning, the protests were less, had less potential for violence and were smaller. So it's, you can understand why it took him longer, longer. And I think the people who were in, who had joined the government with Netanyahu, his Likud members, were loyal to him. There were people over the past few years who have come out, and people like Limol Livnat, for instance, who have come out and said, that they think Netanyahu is taking the party in the wrong direction. People who have run against him, left the party, started their own parties because they think what he's doing for the country is bad. And the people who are left are loyalists. They would have stood by him while he was bringing this program forward. Really interestingly as well, the ultra-Orthodox parties who tend to be loyal to the government that they're in, certainly loyal to Netanyahu and his government, have come out. There are reports that privately they're saying, this is not good. We don't think this is the right way to go. 
although publicly they've said, we'll go with Netanyahu wherever he's taking us. So, you know, Yoav Gallant last week when he was, before Netanyahu went to London, Yoav Gallant was meant to make this statement on Thursday announcing his opposition to the reforms. Netanyahu met with him, convinced him not to do it, and then came out with his own statement. Yoav Gallant was still last week willing to see what Netanyahu had to offer, whether he was able to really calm the flames and do something significant. But when he saw that Netanyahu was actually not going to back down last week, he then came out. So I think for some people, it's they're seeing that actually Netanyahu is really willing to go very far into a very dangerous degree with this thing. And for listeners who aren't familiar, Netanyahu is on a criminal trial, charges of fraud, bribery and breach of trust. And what seems increasingly obvious is that a lot of people, it's obvious from the beginning, but it's hard, it's really hard to deny that it's very much for his own personal survival. He's been willing to go so far to really see the country tear itself apart so that he can pass laws, so he can avoid going to prison or avoid facing and continuing to face trial. And maybe members of his party are now saying, is it worth it for this for this leader who's messing the country up so much? But it definitely looks like he's losing control. You know, on Thursday when he made this statement, he said that he would personally get involved in the judicial reforms, personally make sure that they passed, basically. And today we hear he's going to announce that he's halting them. You can see that he's completely lost control of the party and he's terrified of, lo- of losing the coalition and coming out of government. Wherever you are in the world, if you're interested in global affairs, you can subscribe to The New Statesman in digital, in print, or both from as little as £1 a week. That's 12 weeks for just £12. That's €1 a week in Europe and just $2 a week in America. Just go to www.newstatesman.com slash podcast offer. Hi, I'm Anoush and I host The New Statesman podcast. Twice a week, we get under the skin of Westminster to help understand what's going on and what's going to happen next. We interview politicians, policymakers and people on the front line to get you the full story behind the headlines. Plus hear from our award-winning editorial team, including political editor Andrew Marr, to get to the bottom of what on earth is happening. Listen to the New Statesman podcast. You can subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Just before we came on, we were chatting and you said at the same time as these massive protests within Israel, there's also been very strong diplomatic pressure against Israel from, for example, Arab countries like the UAE, the US. I think when Netanyahu went to London, Rishi Sunak, the prime minister told him that the relationship between the UK and Israel was underpinned by a shared commitment to democracy, which was also a criticism of the judicial reform. Can you talk about the international picture a bit and how is that affecting what's going on in Israel? Yeah. So when Netanyahu came to London and met with Rishi Sunak, he also met with Suella Braverman. I don't think I don't think he met with any other members of government ministers. But there was no joint statement with Rishi Sunak after the meeting. Netanyahu was facing criticism from allies. There was a report yesterday or the day before yesterday that Gulf states have written a joint letter to the US Secretary Anthony Blinken asking him to be tough with Israel when it comes to the pronouncements of some members of the government regarding the Palestinians. So Atilel Smotrich, who's the finance minister, he's the head of a party that is a kind of nationalist, religious Zionist party. He has been quoted as saying that Palestinians don't really exist as a nation. He made some comments after there was a really horrendous incident at a village, a Palestinian village in the West Bank, where it was attacked by Jewish settlers after there had been a terror attack. He, he made statements about how the village should disappear and then denied he made the statements. So this stuff, alongside the judicial reform, which just, you know, whatever Netanyahu's, you know, putting out, the government putting out lots of sort of assets on social media to convince voters that actually what they're doing is very much in line with other democratic countries and all... Most countries in the OECD, the government controls judicial appointments and it's absolutely the right thing to do. He's made, it's very clear, I think, from the outside to Israel's allies that what's happening is not really in the interests of democracy and that it's really causing the country to be incredibly unstable and unsafe. And you've got a country where every couple of years war breaks out between Israel and Hamas in the Gaza Strip. It's a it's it's a it's a very unstable and dangerous situation when you've got the you've got people hundreds of thousands of people out every week on the streets. It's it's hard for Israel's allies not to see that. So it, it seems a little bit like Netanyahu, the the very proud global statesman. Everything is coming crashing down on him at the same time. With it, he's losing his party. He's lost the business sector. He's lost all of these. You've had lots of kind of high tech. CEOs coming out and saying how terrible all of this is for them. They can't do business. It's terrible for the economy. And at the same time, he's being pressured. He comes to London and Rishi Sunak even pressures him about this stuff. It's definitely not looking good for Netanyahu. And it's interesting if he's going to make this statement today. I don't think he's made it yet while we've been speaking. It might happen before this episode comes out. He might come out and say, okay, we're halting the reform. We're going to try and come to some sort of a compromise. But how much longer has he got after that? You've got this, this very powerful movement of resistance against what he's tried to do. It's hard to put that back in its box. And you've got people like the Israeli president, the leader of the opposition, Yair Lapid, calling for him to come together to try and find a way through this. They're trying to strike a very conciliatory tone. 
But I'm not sure how much anybody trusts Netanyahu, who is a very slippery operator politically, to really sit down and try to find a compromise out of this. And I, it's hard to see how the public will really accept a compromise when, for so many people, this reform is endangers democracy and is about keeping the prime minister out of prison. And just finally, how does Israel's relationship with the Palestinians fit into this? I've read some stories that kind of suggest that Palestinian Israelis have been almost completely absent from from these protests. There hasn't been much discussion of kind of perhaps the role that the occupation might play in the erosion of Israeli democracy. So yeah, how does how does the occupation fit into the process? Are they talking about it at all? Is there any kind of attempt to address the occupation? The short answer is no. And I think it's true that there's been so two really significant groups that are absent from these protests. You're right, Palestinian citizens or Arab citizens of Israel have been absent and also ultra-Orthodox communities have been absent from these protests as well. And voices on the left, when they're looking at these protests, and that's within Israel, but also outside Israel, look at this and say, okay, yeah, how much of a democracy is Israel anyway? And uh, the fact that there is an occupation, the fact that in East Jerusalem, Palestinians who are resident of East Jerusalem can't vote in national elections in the West Bank. Jewish settlers can, but Palestinians can't. Settlers obviously can in East Jerusalem too. There are all sorts of questions around that that are very legitimate. The protest movement does not talk at all about Palestinians or the occupation. And that's that's part of the, I guess, the frustration looking from the outside in that you see this and you think, okay, but what about that bigger picture? You might fix this, but then there'll still be this kind of problem in Israeli democracy, even if you stop this reform. I think I guess you have to understand that for kind of the average Israeli Jew, not Israeli Palestinian, they're very much focused on this kind of immediate problem. And the average Israeli Jew, the occupation, Palestinian rights, those issues, very sadly, are really missing from Israel's political discourse for all sorts of reasons. And when you see this, the amazing resistance, you can't help but think, wow, if this was applied to the issue of Israel's long-term security and peace with the Palestinians, if there could be some sort of like a movement in that direction, that would be so powerful. You'll remember, Ido, that in 2011, when there were Arab Spring protests everywhere, there was an equivalent in Israel, these social protests. There were lots of people out all the time talking about the cost of living and they were boycotting because of the price of cottage cheese going up and there were tent cities all over Tel Aviv. It was huge. And again, in those protests, nobody was talking about the occupation. Nobody was talking about Palestinian rights. It was really missing from that too. And so I think it's you can see there was footage from the protests here when Netanyahu came to London, right? There was a big co coalition, what this crazy WhatsApp group of Israelis and Jews organizing to follow Netanyahu around and really get the point across to him that Israelis here are unhappy with him too. And I saw people responding on Twitter saying, yeah, this is all great, but what about the occupation? What about those things? And it's it would be amazing if there was some sort of big mass popular movement on that too. But I think the political discourse is so distant from that. And you can understand or empathize, I guess, with Palestinian citizens who think, yeah, you know, what's what will be the difference really for us or for the occupied territories if they pass these reforms? But I think the reality is that there would be a difference because you've got a government, so Betzalel Smotrich, who we mentioned, you've got a government that wants to get as many settlers into the West Bank, greater Israel as possible. They don't want to clear illegal outposts. They want to legalize them. And once you pass these reforms, it make, you make it much easier for the government to pass all sorts of laws, make all sorts of movements that basically 
erode Palestinian rights more? Long, long answer to that question, although the, the fact is that it is very much missing from that. And I guess people kind of are Israel watchers or interested in the issues. I guess it might be, it might seem, I don't know, counterintuitive or shocking. That's not part of it. But I guess for a lot of kind of average Israelis, this is a really mobilizing thing. And what's been really interesting is this reform, this movement has mobilized people on the left and right as well to find a sort of common ground. And if they start talking about the conflict, they I don't think they'd find common ground so quickly or easily. So maybe this is an opening to something else. That's a big maybe. All right. Well, I think that's a good note on which to end. Thanks so much for coming on, Alona. This has been World Review from the New Statesman. You can read all our international coverage on newstatesman.com. If you've enjoyed this episode, please tell a friend and rate us and leave us a nice review. Our producer has been Adrian Bradley. We'll be back on Thursday. I'm Ida Rock. Thanks for listening and until next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, Freddie here. I want to tell you about a new way you can support the New Statesman's independent journalism. Every morning, I send out Morning Call, our daily newsletter covering everything you need to know about British politics. It's free to sign up, plus for just £3 a month, you'll get a recommended daily piece of ours sent to you in full, plus exclusive polling analysis from Ben Walker, a weekly update from Will Dunn, and our featured piece on Sundays. If you enjoy this podcast, you'll love Morning Call. Head to morningcall.substack.com and subscribe now.